Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, you have picked a great day to be a part of 12 Stone. God has huge encouragement for us today. And you see it right off the top, direct from God. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Let's look at it together. For the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen. We're going to lean into that. Strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In fact, I want everyone here, Sugarloaf Live at all the campuses, 12 Stone Home. If you're online, wherever you are, I want you to say that word strengthen loud and strong with me. I'll read it. When we get to it, you read it loud with me. For the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to what? Strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And Marcia and I know you're going to need that strength when it comes to this next practice in marriage. This practice of the seven will help renovate your marriage, but you're going to need God's strength. So the question for the day, Marcia, do us the honors. What's the question for the day? Will you break the quit cycle to have a worthwhile life and marriage? Break the quit cycle. That's where we're going today. In fact, it's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Break the quit cycle. Anyhow, that's what we're jumping into today because not only do you need that for marriage, which we've figured out, maybe you have too, so this would be a great conversation, but this is if you're single, you, you need this in your life. You, you have the, the, these times you just want to quit. You, you're going to need this whether you're married, divorced, remarried, widowed. Listen, listen, this applies to your education, your career. This applies to your finances, your budgeting. This, this applies to your character development and your faith. This applies to every endeavor in your life, certainly in parenting, certainly in family, certainly in marriage. And we're going to lean into marriage, but it applies to everyone because there is this cycle in our lives where we, you just you want to quit. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. So we tell a story. There's a friend of ours. I'll call him Steve. He was in his 30s. And, and Steve, uh, how do I say it? Steve was frustrated with where he was not in life where he was not in his marriage. He was frustrated with where he was not in his career and where he was not in his finances. And since we were in a home environment, uh, I, I took kids' blocks and I, I used it to, to describe something. Because here's what he said. He said, my, my, my brother is doing better than me, like 10 times better than me. And it's so frustrating. I work as hard as my brother, and yet I can't get ahead. It's just not, what do you think? Fair. So I took some blocks and I said, Steve, let me help you with something. Cause I think it's true. You work just as hard as your brother. And, and I just took a couple blocks. I said, let's say over each year, you build a, a, a kind of a, a, a story of a building, a floor of a building. And, and so we'll use finances by way of illustration. I said, so you do 10, 10, 80. You, and I watched you do it, Steve. And, and, and he was. You honor God with the first 10%, and that sets your faith. And we practice that in life. That, that establishes who's the priority, who's first in our life. And then, and, and then 
Next 10%, we're trying to save. We try to put the next 10% away. So that's our financial future. That's our stability. That, that's learning to live off the other 80% for your taxes and your mortgage or your rent or, 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 or your utilities or your clothes, your food, taking care of the kids. I mean, you live inside and, and then, then you financially win. So it's discipline. It's building something in your life. So I said, so I said Steve, you do this. I see, I've seen you do it for eight months, nine months, 10 months, 11 months of that first year. And, and you're building. And then he has these cycles where he just goes emotionally like unmanaged. We all know this. Come on, we can all own this. We're like, I'm tired of discipline. And, and, and then he takes whatever little bit he saved. And I said, Steve, with that little bit you've saved, like a little bit. And, and you just go off on a trip that's unplanned. You buy a motorcycle, which God's in that, but, but you, I shouldn't have said that one. You, you buy a new car you didn't need, you, and, and, and you literally, you knock over everything you've built that year. So you build all year in discipline, and, and we do this in more than money. We do this in our marriage, in our character, in our education, in our development, in our physical health. And I said, and you knock it over. I said, and then year two, you're like, oh, you know what? I got to get back at this. So. You, you do it all again the next year, and you, and you 10, 10, 80, and you get back to honoring God, and you're back to your, your savings, and, and then at the, by the end of that next year, you, you do another stupid, and you, and you knock the whole thing over, and now you empty your account, you're right back to zero, and then the third year, you do it again, and you're, and you're rebuilding, and it's a, you can't seem to break your quit cycle, and you do this for 10 years, and it's true. He's built the same as his brother, meaning... Every year he builds a floor, but he keeps knocking it down and starting at zero. So at the end of 10 years, what does he have? He just has one floor, one story. I said, your brother, on the other hand, why don't you do the brother thing? Because I've built enough. She's going to illustrate it. That doesn't mean she builds and I don't. Don't get confused. That's not what this means yeah, by way of does. illustration. So the, bro so the brother... So the brothers over here, I said, and I've watched your brother. He'll do 10, 10, 80. He'll do it for a whole year and, and get his savings and get things moving. And, live with. and then the second year, he stays on. He doesn't quit. He breaks the quit cycle. He doesn't have this go blow everything up and knock it over. And so by the end of year two, he's got two floors. And by the end of year three, he's got three floors. And by the end of year four, he's got four floors. I don't know how many he'll hold. Just yeah, go ahead I'm and take afraid. one and hold it 10 up. Okay. okay, there we go. Your brother at the, at the end of 10 years has 10 floors. You've built 10 floors, but because you keep knocking it down at the end of 10 years, you only have one floor. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I get it. Just tell them, just look at your neighbor and say, I get it. We'll knock these down. We'll get it out of the way. Listen, we all get this. We all understand it. There is a quit cycle. It's why we made it in the book we put together, the second habit. It's why it's the first of the seven practices. Because we discovered there is this cycle, and we didn't know it at first, but, but there's a cycle, and we're, we're going to give it to you. This represents the beginning, the middle, and the end of every endeavor in life, every relationship, every pursuit, every sports team, every degree, every career, every experience, if you will, engaging in church, every home project, whatever. They go through the A zone, the B zone, and the C zone. And these three zones that represent the beginning, the middle, and the end describe the journey everybody travels through. Our marriage repeatedly goes through this, and yet the whole of our marriage is an A, B, and C zone. Now, the A zone, let's describe it. The A zone is full of promise, full of promise. Everybody say that with me. It's what? Full of promise. That's the A zone, and we love A zones. 
Everybody loves A-Zones. A-Zone is, is, is when there's, there's, there's all sorts of hope and anticipation, excitement. It's free of bag. It's the new everything. It's the new car that's perfect. It's, it's the new house. It's the new clothes. It's the new toys. It's, it's the first day of school. It's the first day of, of, of sports event. You know, whatever is your particular sport. Nobody has any losses yet. So it's full of energy and, and, and anticipation. Everybody loves the A-Zone. And we had A-Zone in sure. our dating life, our marriage. Let's take a moment and uh, let's kind of remember a little bit of, of the fond memories of us. How quickly you fell in love with me right off the top, <laughs> even when you saw me. Support me in this. This is not helpful. Your little charcoal here is not. All right. So uh, I remember the roller rink, so let's just get that out of the way. Yes. We met in college. And the big thing then, back then, was going roller skating, especially Christian colleges, because they really were kind of frowning. They frowned on dancing. So it was so kind this, of a, yeah. That tells us how old, that tells them how old we are. For some, sure. some are looking at each other, roller skating, what is that? Okay, move or on. Or they didn't do yeah, dancing? No. What? What? Anyway, so we were in line, and uh, I was with my friend, and I looked ahead of me, and there was this guy. And you were a freshman. I was a freshman. I was a, he was a junior. junior somehow. He's freshman. only a year older than me. But. Keep going, though. So anyway, um, I saw him in front of me, and I was like, oh, that, he's kind of cute, but he's way too loud and obnoxious for me. No. <laughs> I just, he's cute, but I, I'm just not interested. So that was our first meeting. And then... It might have even been the next Sunday. I'm not 100% sure. But my roommate said to me, hey, uh, I heard of this church. Do you want to go to, to church with me at this little church over on this other side of town? And I was like, sure. I didn't have any other better plans. So we went to church. And what do you know? There at that church was Kevin doing his residence. Yes. So um, I was like, oh, that's that guy from the roller rink, you know, and he actually taught the college age class, which is where I went for Sunday school. And I thought, oh, he's actually not a bad teacher. And he, he actually said some good stuff. And so my heart softened. What else did bit. you think? Keep talking about that. Like, how good was he? <laughs> I will say this. He had an afro. Now, again, this is the 80s. Everybody had an afro. I look good. So I look. It was natural. It was I, cute. I look good back then. It was cute. However, uh, what followed that experience while we're I'm trying to get elevated here <laughs> is that we went from Sunday school to, to church where you know, like the gathering, the worship center, and uh, I I was I was I was drawn to her. She's obviously beautiful. I'm like, whew. I don't know why I didn't get nervous in Sunday school, but I did at the church because I had to stand in the big church, all 50 people. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it wasn't very big church. It was when you're, you know, that <laughs> right. age, okay, 19 years old, 18, whatever. I'm, okay, and I had to read scripture that morning. So I got up at the big pulpit, you know, bigger than me, and I laid the Bible down, and I had to read from John chapter 7. And I, I looked over at her, and I don't know, I froze. And so I'm reading the scripture. It says you will flow, uh, there will be flowing uh, rivers of living water. And I got tongue-tied. And, and I said, and rivers of living water. And I Elmer fudded the thing. <laughs> and, sure. I, I got, and I realized I did. And then I panicked. And I, some, I'm looking over at her. And I'm like, rivers of living water. And I did it again. I went, rivers of living. Rivers, rivers, rivers. I shut the Bible and just walked away. <laughs> I was just like, I want to die. So there's my experience. And she dated me anyway. 
18, 20 months later, no more sarcasm necessary. 18, <laughs> uh, 20 months later, we get married. Life is awesome. We have yes. A-zone honeymoon. A year, two years in, all of a sudden, B-zone. What is it called? B-zone. And what is B-zone? Full of what? Problems. Problems. Everybody hits the B-zone. Every A-zone eventually hits a B-zone. Just like the film crew were interviewing some 12 stoners with a little more experience in marriage who could be honest about what was it like. How'd you get here? I want you to listen on this couple who just tells the truth. I didn't sign up for this. Check it out. Fear? <laughs> no, <I'm> just joking. <laughs> it took so it took a lot of prayer. Yeah, it takes a yeah, lot of a prayer because we we we've been in some dark spots that we didn't know what to do, willing to give up um, yeah. on everything and saying that this was not what we signed up for. I think too when you have one party that's pressing to want to make it work and willing to sacrifice and you have one party that's just want to give it up as long as you have one person in that relationship that's willing to fight and show you that they're willing to fight that can make a ton of difference um, during that and must I say I wasn't that person that wanted to fight for it but well because <laughs> I was the person that caused out of trouble I mean yeah I <laughs> Oh, don't you love it when you can see a couple who have won something in their relationship, like the manners there, but also you see pretty honest. They hit some dark times, didn't sign up for this. You can't be married for long without realizing, you know what? I signed up for the A zone. I did not sign up for the B zone. Nobody did. Nobody does. Remember, that's, that's what it's called. Let's go right back to it. A-zone is awesome. It is full of promise. B-zone, that is just bone-weary full of problems. In fact, th this is the stage where it just seems like everything's going wrong. That's what they, they're really honest when they say we just hit dark times until <sighs> it takes so much prayer. Why? Because we're just trying to dig out of what I never signed up. I, I married you. I did not sign up for this side of you. <laughs> you hid that from me. <laughs> you know, I make light. I can make light of this, but it, it it gets dark in the B zone. I mean, it gets so discouraging, and you can get so defeated that all you want to do in the B zone is Q zone. Right? I mean, you cue, quit. I mean, we, we draw this out so that, that you can interrupt this great vision that you had and hope to get to a C zone, but, but instead of hitting the C zone, you, you, you stop in the midst of the problems and you say, I can't do this. I'm just going to cue zone. I'm going to quit. I'm going to be done. When I was young and my parents got divorced when I was in middle school, and, and I remember thinking, how how do you not hold on? I mean, now you're followers of Christ. You're in church. I get it. It started bad. You made mistakes, but you know, you know Jesus now. Well, okay, I'm a pastor. I'm three years into marriage. I'm like, I know exactly why my parents divorced. In fact, I wonder why everybody isn't divorced. I mean, how does marriage even work? Tell the truth. You, you've been married and you've never had that. Write a book. Throws ours away. How did you get through that? 
Because the reality is we all hit the B zone and the B zone makes you want a Q zone. And hang on, here's, here's what you got to see. This is break the quit cycle. You got to know what the quit cycle is. We tend to go from A zone promise to B zone problems to Q zone quit. Watch this and go right back up to A zone. That's the cycle I want you to see. See how the arrows create that little triangle right there? And we can watch this. We become A zone, B zone, Q zone, and then chase A zone. Chase. Do what? Chase. I couldn't hear you. Do what? Chase. Chase A zone. You can become a A zone chasing person and not even realize that you have a, a quit mentality in you. And, and like Steve, you're knocking over everything you're building and you're deconstructing it. You never really build anything because you just keep quitting and you can't break it. You, you say, okay, we're going to go after something new. And you do a zone. It's awesome. I'm going to go to the next thing, the next person, the next job, the next degree, the next vision, the next hope, the next team, the next relationship. And oh, and then it B zones. And you're like, I don't know what's wrong with everybody and everything. And, and there's nothing wrong. It's called reality. And then when you hit that, you want to Q. And if you Q zone and go chase another A zone, that right there is the cycle you have to break. See it? Everybody say amen. Amen. That's what you got. Parents, this is what you draw out for your kids. We parent our kids out of this. There's no such thing as growing up and not hitting B zone. And you got to build B zone muscle. You're always going to have that class, that teacher, or that sport that undoes you. It B zones on you. You need B zone muscle. You're in college. You got to learn this in the early stage of life. This is your future. You, you are going to build a career by building B zone muscle and breaking through. Listen, when you get out of college and you get your job and you get in the real world and, and maybe you get in a relationship, maybe you're dating, maybe you're married, you get in finance, you think that the world is designed to remove B zones so you can have a C zone life. That is not how the world works. Your frustration over the world around you, the COVID experience is everywhere in life. You're in college, you break through. There's no such thing as a B zone free life. Marriage has B zones. And it will take the strength of God. Come on now. It'll take the strength of what? The strength of God to do this. And, and God's eyes roam across the earth to strengthen those who are fully devoted to him. That's why it's so profound that he would give us such encouragement. You'll need his strength. Not for the A zone. <laughs> That's full of promise. But. The B zone that's full of promise or problems. And when you do, when you do, when God gives you strength in the B zone, you get to go to the C zone and it's full of what everybody payoff. Say it with me. Well, this enthusiasm. This is good stuff. C zone is full of what? Payoffs. Woo. Yeah, that's the finish line. That's the championship trophy. That's the promotion and the job. That, that's, that's the big bonus. Uh, that's when your marriage breaks through. That's the five-year, the 10-year, the 25-year anniversary, the 50-year anniversary. That ultimately, men and women, that's, that's heaven. That's what God promises. You walk with him on earth, and, and he'll give you heaven for all of eternity. I mean, the C-zone is the marriage everybody wants, but you got to break through. you got to break through. You got to break the quit cycle. So how do you build a C-zone marriage? 
Well, there's a lot of things you have to break through. But I'm going to give you two things, two areas where you have to break that quit cycle. One of them is in the book. The other is not. And it was just a really strong press of the Lord. And I'm going to honor it. So let's, let me give you the two things. Uh, the first one is we tend to quit serving. We tend to quit serving. Sure we do. And we, we got to break that cycle. You say, oh, I know I'm supposed to be serving in my marriage. Of course you do. But, but then, then, then you quit. You got to break that quit cycle. You can't quit serving. And, and we tend to quit praying. We know we do. And you, you got to break that cycle. Now, I'm going to apply it to marriage, but it applies to all, all of us in life. So let's go to the first one. We tend to quit serving. Jot it down. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Put it as notes in your phone. Whatever the Spirit of God prompts, get a hold of this. Because Jesus is now, he's left heaven. This is a big deal. When the God of the universe decides, look, this is so important. I'm, I'm going to bring salvation to all of mankind. He leaves heaven. He comes to earth. He embodies a physical being. Now Jesus has been uh, teaching for three years. He's roughly 33 years old. He's got his 12 disciples. He's about to deliver his last lesson at the Last Supper. And here's what he says. This might be familiar to you. Get a hold of it. Look at this in scripture. Here's what Jesus says. Now that I, Jesus speaking, now that I, your teacher, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet, i.e., that means be the servant and serve one another. Now, you need context. Back in Jesus' day, they tend to wear open saddles, walk amongst dirt so their feet would get dirty and then when they go to someone's house for dinner uh, obviously their feet are dirty the difficulty is that they didn't sit at tables like we do so they reclined at the table which means your feet were off to the side and right near the person next to you very distasteful during dinner so so they would have a servant the host would have a servant when you come in and that servant would wash your feet it was the role of a servant to serve the person so it'd be a better experience for everyone when the disciples showed up, oh, pay attention. When the disciples showed up, their expectation, get a hold of that word, their what? Expectation. One more time, their what? Listen, expectations are defining and destroying or building your life. Their expectation was to be served. They didn't even know it was their expectation. They're just, it, they, it didn't even have to be. It's like, well, that's what we do. You walk in, somebody's going to wash my feet. Great. And they come in. That was a dance, which we don't do. That was roller skating. So they walk in and, and there's, there's nobody's washing their feet. There's nobody. Listen, no servant to wash feet. Therefore, no feet get washed. Everybody's looking around. Uh, hello. Hello. Who's going to serve? By the way, it's like coming home from after work, right? Hello. Who's going to serve here? And, and, and Jesus gets a towel and does the whole servant thing, washes their feet, messes with their heads. And then he gets done and he says, what I've done for you, listen, you're not above your master. What I've done for you, you do for one another. In other words, listen, the essence of following Christ is that you change your expectations. Ooh, you do what? Change your expectations. See, the expectation we're all like the disciples, is that we somehow were going to be served when we get married. I mean, I was so excited for who Marsha would be for me. It was going to be fantastic. He says, you're there for me. It's about me. 
All all of us think this way. We don't know we think this way. We don't even believe we think this way. In fact, we have expectations. We don't even understand how the other person doesn't understand them. Like, I don't even have to explain them to you. You should just know you're here to serve me. Wash my feet. We don't say it that way. We just think that way. And, And the only way you get a C zone marriage, listen, is when each of you decide to be the servant and wash one another's feet. You have to become, you've got to change your expect listen you're not following christ until you change your expectations from being served to serving did you write that down did you get that in your head and your heart you're not following jesus until then that 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 that's who he is that's what he does uh, the other week after sunday uh, the teaching a uh, uh, 12 stone friends came up to us and said, boy, good teaching today, and we enjoyed that. Do you remember our favorite story that you, Marsha, ever tell is the bagel story? Uh, so some of you heard that story, so I'll just re- rehearse it re- very brief. We, we would, on our way to, to working out, we would stop by Einstein Bagel, and we would get a, oh, this, is, this is heavenly. They're going to be in heaven. They're from heaven. C- cinnamon, sugar, uh-huh, already, bagel with, with almond cream cheese on the side. Schmear, stack it, oh, decalorized it. Okay, no. And, and then we would, because we can't, we can't keep eating that and then go work out, cut it in half for us. And, and then because I'm, I'm serving, when we're seated, they say, a order for Myers. I get up and I go to the counter to get it. And when I go to the counter to get it, I, I, ha- I have a marriage dilemma. Because I can see the bagel, and they can never cut it perfectly in half. I mean, I want it in half, but there's always a better half of the bagel, a little bit bigger, a little more cinnamon sugar, a little more schmear. I want to even it out because I love her, but hey, that's mine. And, and so from the counter to the table, I have to make a marriage decision. You think all you have to do is vow. No, you have to live this stupid. It's not stupid. You have to live this wonderful thing out all the time. So this is a foot washing moment. So when I walk from the counter to the table, I have to make a decision. We've ne- her and I never talked about it. It's the only time she ever heard about it was when I made an illustration of it years ago. And, and, and then I, I take the better half of the bagel and I give it to her. She doesn't say, oh, honey, you're amazing. Thanks for washing my feet. She didn't say that. She didn't even notice. She just gobbles. Like, what? what? Do, you not, do you not sense the sacrifice? In fact, if you were serving me, shouldn't you put that now back on my plate? Really? And then we should give it back and forth and never eat? I mean, I don't know. Listen, the essence of marriage is that you show up to serve. The number one reason for disappointment in marriage is unmet expectations. And we show up to counseling to explain what the other person has failed to do. What if the real problem is we have the wrong expectations? What if you're not following Christ until you change your expectations? And what if that's the only way you build a Christ-centered marriage that can actually build floor one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to ten? And you look at couples and marriages and you say, hey, I work just as hard as they do. How come it doesn't work? Often, Because they broke the quit cycle and they keep serving. This is what takes the power of God. And by the way, you don't have a great marriage because you know this. You have a great marriage if you do this. If you what? Do this. Look at verse 17. This is how Jesus wraps it. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? Do them. Not if you know them, if you do them. 
By the way, the ABC zone, the A zone, that's happy. We all get married happy. The B zone, that's the unhappy. The C zone, that's the second happy. And it comes if you can break the quit cycle and keep serving all the time. Number two, we tend to quit praying. This is what's a, a press from the Lord. And I just want to highlight a, a, a very complex biblical story, but I'm going to give it to you in simple form. About 900 years uh, before Jesus came to earth, Asa became the king of Judah. Now, an army attacked the Cushites. And when they attacked, they were two times plus the size of Asa and Judah's army. And he prayed. Say that with me. He what? Prayed. He prayed. I want you to see his prayer. It's a profound prayer. This is a prayer worth knowing, worth owning, worth, worth offering to God. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God. Look at this. When you are powerless, when you can't build something in your marriage, in your career, in your finances, when you're broken down, you're in single life trying to figure out how to date, when you're dating a dating relationship, trying to move forward. Listen, when you're in your faith and you're just, your character is just diminished, when, when the B zone is taking you down, when you have things threatening the best things of God in your life, this prayer makes a lot of sense. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. When you're in a season like COVID, when you're in things you can't control, when you're over your head and beyond your strength, this is a great prayer. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Wow, what a prayer. And he offered that prayer. And then he went to battle. And, and I just want you to know that, that when, when you face B-zone battles... God fights for you. God gives his strength. God's looking for who's fully devoted to him, who lives in dependent and reliant prayer, who says, oh God, I know I'm not God of my life. I know I need you. I know I can't win this and better this and build this in my life. Oh, I might be good in one area of my life and I could get proud, but the reality is I'm weak somewhere else. I can't win the whole thing. Oh dear God, I need your strength to get a C-zone life everywhere in life. By the way, side thought here for you. Listen, if you commit to serve, it will drive you to pray. You know why? Because Marcia and I discovered uh, we don't have the strength. We are both too selfish. Our selfish is bigger than our selfless. And when you commit to serve, you have daily, weekly, monthly, yearly moments at the counter where you see the better half of the bagel and you just want it. And you, dear God, help me. Listen, if you commit to serve, it will drive you to pray. If you pray, God will call you to serve. Because the closer you get to him, the more you become like him. And Jesus came to serve. And people who quit serving usually quit praying. And people who quit praying usually quit serving. You don't end up with knocking things down by accident. You do it on purpose. Steve, after 10 years, only had one floor because he knocked it down. It's not that it wasn't fair. It's that he wasn't faithful to his commitments. You have to break the B-zone cycle, and it will take the strength of God to do it. No wonder 
Asa prayed. And when Asa prayed, the power of God came down and gave victory. I mean, it was like, I need a moment where we feel it. Because I feel it. You're not there, but I want you to get there. So like your favorite team wins the Super Bowl. And, and it's somebody other than Brady. Um, um, uh, you get a windfall. And you win um, uh, a billion dollars. And you share it with me. Um, see, anything that seems awesome to you, I want just the highest celebration. You go to heaven. Okay, your first day in heaven. I want everyone, wherever you are, to just for 20 seconds, 10 seconds, give the greatest celebration. What would it be like when God gave Judah victory over the enemy? What did it sound like? Go. <laughs> Woo! All right. This is what God did. And the whole nation celebrates. And then they commit to God. They have a covenant. We are fully devoted to you. Everybody got the picture? Good. Ready? 16 to 26 years later, another nation attacks. And Asa did not pray. Oh, what? He what? He did not pray. What, Asa? The guy of profound prayer and reliance and dependence on God. Asa, a, a man of faith. Asa, a king by the hand of God. Asa, who had now become more wealthy and more powerful than ever in his life. Asa, the man who led the nation in prayer and, and to be fully devoted to God. Asa? Yeah, he just fought. He, he, he bought his way out. Never prayed. Just, you know what? I can do this one. It was so, mar listen, he may have had the same religious beliefs, but he didn't have the same reliant behavior. And God sent the prophet to Asa. And here's what he said. Because you relied on another king and not on the Lord, your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Many years ago, were not the Cushites a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand for here's where we started our teaching for the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to what everybody strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. <sighs> you, you, what did Asa do in the moment? Did he drop before the Lord and, and humble himself and pray and repent and begin to pray? He did not. In fact, Scripture's pretty clear. He didn't pray again. He got hard-hearted, self-willed. Even three years later when he got a disease, it says, and Asa refused to call out to the name of the Lord. He only talked to his doctors. And he died. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're like, where's the good stuff? <laughs> it didn't have to end that way. He chose it. He knocked down what God was building. God didn't knock it down. He did. Listen, God's not knocking things down in your lives. Mostly we are. And if we'd be fully devoted, he would give his strength, including to our marriage. See, what Asa missed is the beautiful thing in this. Is that all along God was saying, if you would just be fully devoted to me, I would give you the strength. God could have conquered the other army. God could have transformed the next layer and season and the end of Asa's life if he would just stay devoted. Let me ask you something. If you would stay devoted, if you would keep praying, what could God do in your marriage? What would he do 
if you would keep serving. I want you to listen to the story of a, a 12 stone couple, Matt and Melissa. And it's, it's, just, it's just who God is. If you'll, if you'll look to him. In January of 2020, Matt and Melissa moved from Illinois to, to Buford, Georgia. Melissa said, hey, we didn't have any family or friends here, and we felt lost. Then we found out about 12 Stone. And I felt an instant connection when we, when we got there. Eventually, I, I, I recommitted my life to Jesus. And then in the fall, uh, uh, we, we heard about Reengage. And, and with the kids, the move, and the financial stress, of, of, of course, of, of COVID, our marriage was taking a hit. And they admitted our, our our marriage wasn't really in the best shape even when we moved here. But since starting Reengage, Matt said, listen, here's what Matt, husband said. God has absolutely transformed our marriage. That's God right there, by the way. God has absolutely transformed our marriage. In a moment, you get to celebrate this. Just listen. God absolutely transformed our marriage. It's nothing short of amazing. We haven't been this close in our relationship ever. We never prayed together before. Now we pray together every night. It's hard to explain just how much our marriage has changed since we got here. We now see that this move had nothing to do with my job, but everything to do with my faith and our relationship with God. He is awesome. Yeah, church? Isn't that who God is? Isn't that what God does? What would God do if you would be fully devoted to him? If you'd serve and pray, he'd give you strength. And that's it. There's the teaching that wraps it all up. But, but, but I want to invite you to something that is call this a wrap to the series. Couple things. The first one is an invitation to a vow renewal experience. Every husband and wife is invited, whether you've been married one year or 50 years. Jason Barry and Amber, Marsha and myself, we're going to lead this this Tuesday, March 9th at 9 p.m. It's going to be streamed. Now listen, that time may work for you. Great. Join it. Be a part of it. It may not. Maybe you're listening to this teaching after that date. You're like, I missed it. No, no. Because you can stream it anytime you want. Create your own personal, beautiful, profound vow renewal ceremony. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be sacred. It's going to be sincerely fun. You want to be a part of it. You'll enjoy it. You can, you can go to, uh, to this website mysecondhappy.com. That'll give you all the details, show you the flow, the foundation of it, the ceremony, the vows, the, how you prepare the little elements. It's, it's, it's going to be so much fun, but it's going to be meaningful. You'll even have a vow renewal certificate that you can fill out and print. That's the first invitation. Here's the second. This was a press from the Lord, and that's why I taught the whole prayer thing from Asa. And it's an invitation to receive prayer for strength. Listen, absorb the whole thing. I got to give you a little detail. This is prayer for strength. For what? Strength. We need to rely on the Lord. So I'm going to honor his press. Every Saturday at 8 o'clock, we gather for prayer, and it's online, and hundreds, actually a few thousand people join in prayer. It's awesome. And we pray over the weekend. We've been doing this for years. I'm going to change the prayer for this next Saturday, March 13th at 8 a.m. at the central campus. I'm going to change it in that it's usually about 45 minutes. We're going to be about 20 minutes. Psalms, a worship song, pray over the weekend. And then about 8.20, for any who have chosen to come and gather would like to be prayed over. First, for couples. Maybe you need to be prayed over as a couple. 
Maybe you forgot God can heal whatever's broken in a marriage. Maybe it's a moment for you to fully devote yourself to the Lord and for ask God's covering over your marriage. Maybe COVID has adversely affected you. Maybe there's a financial crisis you're in. Maybe there's some things that you guys in the B zone need to break through and forgive or release. Maybe you need to covenant freshly to serve and pray together. Maybe you're asking for God's covering and blessing over your vow renewal ceremony. There is something profound about that prayer. You're free to come. Maybe it's for physical healing. In fact, I'll just extend the prayer. It's more than for couples. It's first for couples, but it's more than couples. It's for anyone who wants to come and be prayed over. Scripture tells us to, if you're sick, come and pray over one another. Have the elders gather together. So there'll be several pastors. We'll, we'll pray over you. Listen, I don't care if 20 show up, 120 show up, 220 show up. I don't, there's no number. I, and by the way, I know it's inconvenient. Here's how I know. Because when God put that in my spirit and said, I want you to do this, I showed him my calendar. I reminded him, um, that is the one I'm not there. Uh, I have other plans. Because sometimes God, he's busy. He doesn't know. And I'm like, that's the prayer time I'm not here. I've hit like, you know, nine out of nine. I work weekends. You might know that. And weekdays need a little. I won't be here. Do you ever say something dumb like to somebody important to you, like your spouse, and they just do this? I felt like I had just a kind moment from the Lord. Really? You're praying for me to move. I'm about to move and do something cool. And you're, is that inconvenient for you, son? I'll be there. I'll be there. You know, you don't know what you're fully devoted to until you're inconvenienced. Now, but listen, this isn't guilty. You don't have to come. If the spirit of God doesn't prompt you to come, don't come. I, this isn't toward you. This was me. But I know it'll be inconvenient, but I think God wants to move. So we're going to gather. We're going to pray. I know we're in a COVID season, so let me be clear. If you're wearing a mask, I'll wear a mask. You will social distance in the, in the gathering at Central Campus, but not when you come up to pray. So if you're uncomfortable with that, then, then don't come to be prayed over. This is one of those where it's going to be laying on hands up close and personal. Marsha and I with, with you or as a couple others. But I think God wants to do something. In fact, I want to pray for you right now. So I'm going to ask the band. Band, would you? I think they're ready. Band, would you come out? Wherever you are, if you're sitting at home on your own, wherever you're listening, maybe you're with your family, maybe you're at 12 Stone Home and you have a gathering, you don't have to, but it might help you to stand. We're going to have a moment of worship. If you're at a campus right here, would you stand? We're going to engage in worship. We're going to tenderize our heart before the Lord. We're going to take something of the spirit of the prayer from, from Asa. We who are powerless, we need chains to fall. We're going to offer that as a song and a prayer. I'm going to interrupt the song and pray over you. I want to pray over your marriages. I want to start that prayer. Maybe God will say, go do this vow renewal. It's a meaningful and marking thing. Marcia, I've never done that before, 38 years of marriage. It's going to be fun, but it's going to be sacred. Be a part of that. Maybe the prayer time is meaningful, but I'm going to pray for you today. So let's set our heart before the Lord. Ben, would you just lead us into the presence of the Lord? You join in singing. Jesus,
so as the moment when Asa came before you and prayed in the spirit of Christ teaching his disciples in Luke 18 that you should always pray and not give up then we come before you Heavenly Father and we humble ourselves I want to pray first God for any marriage that would say oh God help us maybe there's a season a time a B zone right now that feels so hopeless and so impossible and so discouraging and so defeating. God, would you heal any marriage that would say before you, God, help me, help me become a servant. Help me change, change my expectations, change my selfishness. God, I surrender to you. I can't do it. My spouse can't do it. But God, would you do a fresh work in me? I humble myself before you. Would you let those chains fall? God, would you do a powerful work over every marriage that would say, God, I renew my vow to you first and foremost, and then I renew my vow to my spouse. I say, God, build our marriage. We've been knocking things down. We've been destroying the very thing we've been asking you to build. Maybe you say before the Lord, God, right now, I, I commit to be a servant in my marriage, in my family. Pray that over us. You offer that to him. Maybe some of us are saying that prayer. We're single. We're in a dating relationship. Maybe it's in, our, in the church, and we just need to reset this, how we, our disposition of expectation toward one another. Maybe it's in how we do work. Maybe it's how we treat other people. Maybe it's the impact of COVID has put us in our echo chamber, and we are so about ourselves, we can't even see it. Change us, oh God. Change us, oh God. Not just words of a song, not just a prayer from old, but God, present day, we are powerless often against our own temptations that come our way and against, against the stumbling into our own self-absorbed life. God, would you change us? Would you let those chains fall? Would you help us forgive even the things we can't forget? Would you teach us how to surrender to you and serve one another? God, I pray for a covering over our marriages. When that vow renewal happens this week, would you anoint and seal and strengthen? When we gather for prayer, would you pour out your spirit? And right now, band, would you just sing that again? As we offer this to him, would you make this your prayer? Sing the words, but make it a prayer, God. Make it a prayer. We confess, Father, our hope is not in ourselves. We don't build our own buildings. We don't build 10 stories on our own. We don't break the quit cycle in our own strength. We say, God, give me your strength. Would you breathe hope, Holy Spirit, in all who would receive it? Some of us are sitting alone, and we, we don't even believe there can be hope. We're in a group, and nobody knows what we're thinking. We're at a campus, and we're just so discouraged. Breathe hope in us, Holy Spirit, not in who we are, but in who you are in us. Would you make 
the truth of your word true in our lives. So I'm going to turn the service over to the campuses. They're going to continue in worship. It's going to be profound if you would just surrender yourself fully to the Lord and seal it in these moments of worship. And at 12 Stone Home and right here among us, Sugarloaf, don't, don't figure out how to leave right now. Figure out how to stay in the presence of God right here. Worship him well. Engage his presence. Let the fullness of God put a deep and settled, fresh reliance in you. Worship him. change ourselves. In fact, we can't. Father, we thank you for Jesus, that he has transformed those of us who've placed our trust 
in Him. We thank you, Jesus, that you continue to transform us. May it begin in us. Start with me, Jesus. I long for you to change me. Make me more like you. Make our marriages reflect more the goodness of God to the people around us, Father. We, we ask you to continue to do a work. Jesus, you promised that if you began it, you would continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. We trust you. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. We believe. Feed our faith. Jesus, we thank you that you do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, one of the really great things about 12 Stone Home is that right now you get to have a conversation about what we just heard. So the first thing I want you to do is have a conversation about when you've quit something, okay? It doesn't have to be like super serious, like one day I quit Jesus. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be that. Maybe it's like you quit the wrestling team or you quit the band or playing piano. I wish I'd continue to play the piano. I'm not very good, but I wish I'd continue. That, that's a question I want you to answer. What, what's one thing that you quit that you wish you hadn't? But the second question, it's a little bit more vulnerable. And I'm gonna ask you maybe to take a little bit of a risk of today or Wednesday, whenever you meet as a home gathering. And here's what I want you to ask. I want you to answer, what is one area of your life right now that you're tempted to quit? Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's something personal. What's one area that you're tempted to quit, but you won't guide God wants you to quit the quit cycle. He wants you to stop the quit cycle and to push through by his grace and by his power. So that's the two things, a story, maybe a funny story, and then what does God want you to push through on in your life right now? You're tempted to quit. Hey, 12 Stone Home, we love you. We're so glad you're here. We'll see you next week, but we'll see you Tuesday first. So uh, make sure you show up for the, the vow renewal. It's gonna be an incredible time. Love you, see you next week. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.